Yeah, all good. So what does the Movember campaign mean to you? Uh, so I think Movember uh, means a lot to me because it's that one time of the year where sort of men's health issues get that publicity that I think they should get all year round. Um, you know, for one month, there's a huge focus on mental health, testicular, prostate cancer. And I just think it's really good to see everyone coming together to both raise money and awareness for those, you know, issues that for some people are very close to the heart. I, um, quite sadly, at the age of only 20, I already know two guys um, that have struggled enough to the point where they took their own lives. Um, both of them I knew through rugby, uh, one of them at university, one of them before. And so I think it's an area for me that um, is really important that we encourage people to talk about any issues and, um, you know, be more open. And I feel that it's definitely getting there. We're definitely improving, but there's still a long way to go. Unfortunately, it's all too common these days where everyone knows someone who's probably lost someone uh, due, to, due to mental health issues or knows someone who's struggling. Um, and unfortunately, that's, that's exactly the same for me. Um, lost friends, lost a family member, and I think all of that comes together and, and I sort of believe passionately that much, much more can, can be done. And I believe that every single person can do uh, their bit. And, and if we can attack this, this stigma that surrounds mental health, especially with men, um, then I think that we can make a, a real positive difference. At the University of Exeter, Movember has grown to become one of the most important and engaging charitable events across the academic year. During this episode, I'll be chatting with current students and alumni about their own experiences with the Movember campaign and why it means so much to many thousands of students across the university. I will also be unpicking the topic of men's mental health and chatting with current students to, to explore some of the issues and challenges facing young men in today's society. Why, why do you think we're not good at being Um, It's a very good question. I, I think on the whole it's a, it's a sort of a traditional thing. Um, I think, you know, it's always been very much sort of you're a bloke, suck it up, man up, that sort of, uh, that sort of vibe. Um, and when you're, you're vulnerable, the, you know, the basis of that is that you're, you're sharing a bit of a weakness to, to yourself. And, you know, I think some guys probably struggle to open up because it's seen as weak, uh, seen as feeble. It's, you know, a sign that you probably can't, you know, face pressure or things like that. Um, I think that's it. Is it that, you know, you're probably someone that's weak in the face of pressure? Um, I would turn it, I would flip it on the other side and say, well, no, you know, it's not a question of being weak. I think people who can acknowledge that they have some issues or that they have difficulties, you know, regardless, it, it could be major, it could be minor, but if you can acknowledge it and work with it and say, well, you know, this is what I have, this is what I'm working with, this is how I can make it better. I feel that's an even better sign, that's an even bigger sign of strength. I think it's sort of been historic, like even just in a British sense that, you know, it's like keep a, like keep calm, carry on to an extent, you know, keep your um, chin up. Um, 
and I think particularly within sort of more social groups, um, you get, uh, you know, you get sort of jokes like, oh, man up and things like that. And I don't think it affects everyone in the same way, but I think it can sort of erode, erode away at someone for a little while. They're exposed to that without sort of being, um, without understanding that, you know, talking about these, talking about problems like that isn't isn't a problem. Like, I think people probably get called like, oh, like such a girl and things like that for being open and people don't want to be I guess reflected as coming up like men in particular don't wouldn't want to be reflected coming across as I guess feminine when it's not a, a feminine trait you know to to be sort of suffering with your with your mental health like the first front point is definitely in the typically masculine sports and societies um where men have to be so for example in rugby there in traditionally they would have to be aggressive and very boisterous and couldn't show any weakness or anything um so definitely sport was the main thing um and it's in social in like social settings um but again like i was saying thankfully with unfortunately with this november movement we've seen all these traditional traditionally masculine societies and sports like rugby being at the front of promoting Movember and mental health and showing their progress and how how much they're donating and how much they're raising for the Movember movement. And I think it's really significant coming from the sporting societies particularly because they're the they're the societies where you would think, oh, I'm meant to be this type of dominating, aggressive figure that can't be weak. But by tackling it from where the root cause was um showing you don't need to be you can talk about it and here are the resources i think that's really significant in helping develop it indeed and while sports clubs often get the blame and are attributed to you know fostering the this idea of toxic toxic masculinity it is also the case that for many thousands of students being a part of a sports club in the society is what drives them to get involved with the campaign such as november it's a very like sports focused union there's a lot the sport is a huge thing and I, I think that does just it does lead to this kind of image of what like masculinity looks like I think and I think people are definitely aware of the danger of that I think that's why November strikes cool with so many people is it does is that masculinity doesn't have to be that stereotypical like manly tough thing and i think people extra for some reason just really really get that and really like it really resonates with a lot of them we are a big sports university that is that is one of the things that draws a lot of people to exeter that is one of the reasons why a lot of people come down here and choose exeter is because they have like the opportunity to get to come here and play sports and play sports at a competitive level um Within that, and I think I think a lot. I think I don't think a lot of attention is given to the fact that within these clubs and within rugby, lacrosse, tennis, golf, there's 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 already kind of senses of family within that. There's already this kind of um, sense of community within your team members and within your playing partners and stuff like that. Um, and what I think is that actually, Movember's just banding together. Um, all of these tight-knit families that kind of exist individually and putting them together towards one single goal. At school, life, social life was quite tough for me, but when I arrived at the university, 
everyone was so welcoming. And that's one of the key things that keeps Exeter going is the close sense of community. Um, And then when one person or several people have a passion, they will invigorate it into other people whether that be when you're watching the varsity i mean you've seen what the atmosphere is like um at sandy park or whether that's at the hockey varsity you know anything or even on a local you know normal night out on a tp wednesday the atmosphere is amazing um when people get stuck into something it will grow the passion will grow um and i think with november even with the two and a half years that i've been here it's just grown and grown. I don't think I've seen the f- number of donations being that high, uh, even in first year. I think it was at like twenty, thirty thousand, um, midway. Now we've absolutely smashed it, um, and I think we should be really proud of that. To be honest. In addition to raising thousands of pounds from November, many clubs and societies have also been implementing their own well-being initiatives to support student welfare. So one of the groups um, that I think has been really good for helping um, with the current situation and, you know, mental health behind it, uh, the rugby have set up a specific separate group for the welfare uh, run by the welfare sex of the rugby group where they're, um, you know, constantly posting different links um, to, you know, uh, wellbeing apps, checking up on people, making sure everyone's okay, suggesting look if you want to go for a walk or chat they are there if you ever need it and so I think that's something that's been really good I can only speak from what I've seen in the rugby but um, I think the welfare sex from the different societies have been doing really great jobs at the moment and are really great people to talk to they've been voted in for a reason because you know people think they're going to be good at their jobs and they are um they're really good people to talk to. They're really understanding. And I think uh, my experiences with rugby are having this separate group away from the main kind of rugby Facebook group just for welfare, making sure people are okay, I think is really important. I think is a really great step to do. I spoke to the 1718 Athletic Union president, Jim Balshaw, and the current AU president, Ben Hart, about their their experiences with Movember and how they think it's improved well-being in sport. Back when I was Prez, um, it sort of tied in with the, uh, when I was setting up the mental health campaign really well, and sort of one of the real sort of additions like Movember brought in is that you, um, it creates an environment where people are happy to talk, like, well, yeah, more open to be talking about their mental health, which is something that I was really trying to push at the time. Um, and... Yeah, I think it um it helps it helps people understand that you know they they're not alone um number one and that you know they shouldn't be afraid to speak to whoever they need to um when um if they are if they are feeling down about anything really people now um and what you have to remember is that people have come through clubs in this kind of almost like transformative period I think I think the last kind of five years or so has been massive for mental health and um, I think the like club captains and the student leaders and are a lot more willing now um, not just to get themselves involved but also to really encourage people lower down the club 
um, first, second years, but also in sort of loads of different teams to actually get involved in the conversations as well and see how wide ranging the benefits can be. Moving away from the sporting context and thinking more broadly about some of the pressures facing young people at university right now, one of the one of the things that often came up frequently in conversations is this pressure and this sort of cultural expectation about what uni is supposed to be like. So yeah, I think there's also the expectation sometimes uh, uni, you know, you've got to go out, you've got to drink the most beer, you've got to, you know, be the, the, the hardest man. But actually, uh, there's a lot of people out there that actually are in, on the inside struggling. And I think one of the worst things, if you're having a bad time, is alcohol. Uh, that's something I've personally found myself is I would be having a bad week. I'd go out on a Wednesday or a Friday, you know, drink a ridiculous amount. And then it's just, it's a constant cycle. And it's going round and round. And I think as a society, we've got so much better at breaking that stigma of showing weakness uh you know men can cry men can talk but like even today on here with you uh a part of me is worried like oh what will what will people uh know think about me sort of speaking openly about it and you know and i think once that sort of feeling uh stops then we've done a really good job there's this massive stigma around university where people need to be socializing all the time i think this is more prevalent for freshers when they're when they're having they're in this environment that a new environment where they need to make friends um i think especially the first term it can be really really overwhelming and hectic where again i said you feel like you have to always be finding new people talking to new people um getting drunk all the time which is obviously not good for your body or your mental health um so i think yeah definitely there's a lot of social pressures um for everyone to live up to the type of person that they should be and type of person that a university student is portrayed to be which isn't the case but um yeah that's definitely a root cause of uh, cause of things um and social pressure as well continuing the topic of social pressures and expectations i spoke to finn who is currently a fresher and asked him if he if he felt pressured to live up to this stereotype yes i'd say i'm quite a um quite a quiet person usually um i usually i don't i wouldn't say i'm in well extremely intro, i wouldn't say i'm introverted that much i just I don't, i'm not i'm not the loudest voice in the room and i'd say as much as i think there's a lot of, you put a lot of pressure on yourself at uni because you you sort of build up this um this image of a, well i say a, a perfect uni life and you think well i want i want to do this i want to be that etc etc and you sort of put a lot of pressure on yourself to well, go out, put yourself out there at every opportunity and you feel awful at one, the one moment that you haven't put yourself out there. But I mean, I've come to the realisation that it's, it's okay to not always have to be 100% sociable, 100% um, outgoing. It's right to just take a moment to breathe and relax. And, do you, and what do you think that image is of like what perfect uni life is, do you think? I think it's, well mostly related to um, social life rather than um, studies in terms of what the idea, what people idealise as uni life. It's, well, it's mostly going out non-stop, having loads of friends, going to all the social societies, doing loads of sports and meeting loads of people, that sort of thing. And I mean, because of COVID, a lot of that has been very much uh, constricted. And so... 
it's I, I think I found myself a few weeks ago and a lot of people I know um not well quite um anxious that they weren't able to do any of that because well obviously because of covid and the restrictions that that's put on us it wouldn't be a podcast in 2020 if it didn't involve covid at some point in the conversation but i asked harry on on how he how he thinks covid has impacted i guess you know young men and and uni life in general um i can only imagine that with all the you know lockdowns and the timing of it being with a lot of people coming to uni for the first time, moving away from home for the first time, that it's been really hard on people's mental health. Um, you know, one thing that I think is really important for your mental health is having a good group of friends around you who you feel comfortable to talk to. And so I think it's become a lot harder for new students, for freshers to meet people, to talk to more people so then they can find out who they want to be friends with and get a stronger group of friends I guess and so obviously people still will um it's great if you know you do get on with your flat but not everyone does and a lot of people rely on meeting people in lectures through their course or through um socials through different you know societies to make new friends and to make close friends to and they're the ones that you can rely on rely on and talk to and so I think it will have been really really hard on the new students moving to uni and not even just those um just any everyone at the moment really not being able to go out and socialize is tough we've gone from at university being very social a lot of people and you know seeing lots of different groups of friends to seeing just kind of your house most of the time and it is a change and it's been kind of quite a sudden one. I think it's um, it's hard to, I think, what you know, obviously one of the main things is it's harder to do the things that you enjoy, you know, like I think one of the most important things to do is always to do things that make you happy, whether no matter what that is. And COVID obviously makes that harder. But I think it also increases that social media angle of like all you're seeing nowadays is kind of what people put on, the, like you're, a lot of people are living through social media because we can't really live in person. And I think a lot of what you're seeing then is, you feel like everyone's having a great time, like everyone around you is having the best time. And if you're not, that makes it really difficult. And I think uni can be like that anyway, but then when it's mostly all virtual and you're just seeing people having a great time, having a great time, and you're thinking to yourself, actually, like I'm having a bit of a rubbish time. I think that makes it a lot harder. And it does, it's, it's not real what's on social media. You know, lots of those people probably are having a crap time as well, but it can feel very isolating when you don't feel, your feelings don't match what you're seeing from other people on social media. Well, I think something that, really strikes a chord is the idea of sort of pride. Um, I think we're under the spotlight the whole time. Uh, social media has obviously had a massive effect on this. Everyone's portraying an image. We follow people um, who are putting out sort of a perfect display of what we might want to achieve and so on. Um, there's people around the uni who you, you sort of look up to and you, there's definitely that sort of idea that you are not the person that you want to be at times, I think. and. Um, it's sort of a pride thing and being open about it um, that you might not be as happy as you may seem. Oh, 100%. Um, I think the, the most honest social media sites seem to be the ones where they put in the description, just so you know, this is a highlight reel. Um, so you can look at these people and they seem to have a perfect life, but 
it's not like it's an honest portrayal of that life. Someone's, they've had full control of what they're releasing. Um, so they can up the saturation or <laughs> change the image to make it even better than it is. And then put poetry or whatever underneath. But <laughs> um, there's definitely a case of like, if you reach for the perfection, you're always gonna fail. And even when you put the post up, we everybody feels that addiction, that that little dopamine shot when you have a like. And you always have to like, and then you're waiting for the next one. Um, so that definitely puts a lot of pressure on people. I spoke to Felix, who is the publicity secretary for Nightline, and I asked him how he thought COVID had impacted um, young men's mental health. So how do you think social media has impacted young men? Social media is funny because so I over lockdown, I think a lot of people were similar. Um, I sort of just realised I tried to went on that bit of a social media sort of cleanse and sort of try and delete it, that sort of thing. But I do think that social media is massive in the way that I so I don't know about everyone else, um, but my friends sort of went all over the place university wise. So obviously you've got friends all over the place. And I think it's the time stuff like Instagram, I would say potentially the worst, you know, People are showing off when they're with friends. They, you know, they are. Every time you're with a friend or you're doing something, you have to show that off. And you know, most of the time they might not even be doing anything interesting. They might even just be trying to project that they're happy. I think for me, it's that pretense that you you have to be doing something all the time, and you have to. You're being left out. You, um, you know, I I think that that sort of thing is just so toxic in the way that you have to show off what you're doing the whole time. And actually, most of the time, you're not missing out very much. I, for example, for me, I, um, I, would, um, I would do the publicity behind something like Extra Student Nightline. So Nightline is um, a confidential service run by trained listeners um, from the uni. Obviously, those are confidential. Um, it's open from 8pm to 8am and basically will talk to you about anything from, you know, you're walking home alone at night and you just want someone to talk to, to also, you know, if you if you feel you're going to self-harm or even worse, potential suicide. Um, it creates that environment where you feel you can talk to someone who is separated but, um, from your potential, you know, friends or the environment you're in, but also someone who potentially understands while they're, while they're being um, a university student. Um, obviously, we're only trained to up to a certain extent, so... Some, and sometimes it's down. So people, Samaritans is a very good um, sort of similar nightline who is who are run by slightly older. So we feel sometimes we can help people best um, if we understand that it's often um, a certain age group problem. So if you're if it's a twenty twenty one year old sort of problem, but also um, arguably if it's a deeper rooted problem that goes you know something like I don't know family issues etc. Sometimes they feel Samaritans can offer the best support because they're a bit better trained. So far on this podcast, we have focused on the issues that affect young men and their mental health. But that's not to say that these challenges and issues are just limited to one gender. I caught up with Lauren, who is the VP of BodySock, and I asked her for her perspective on the Movember campaign. What, why do you think Movember is such a big thing at Exeter? Um, I think it's such an important thing at Exeter and it's such a big thing. 
Um, I think like this generation are going to be so much more open to men's mental health, which is such an important thing to be open about and like ask when you need help and just generally in conversation, it shouldn't be something that isn't brought up. Um, and especially at the time, like given lockdown, it's so important that people feel like they are able to speak to people. I say extra is just a huge thing through the societies. Like um, my housemate is part of hockey and they all of their hockey team do it. He's currently doing uh, 1K for every pound raised. So someone's donated 42 pounds. So he's running a marathon at some point. But yeah, so it's just such a thing to do to raise awareness and then like a bit of money for the cause. Um, do, you, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you think girls are a lot better at speaking out than, than guys in general? Um, or do you think it's a bit of a people exaggerate? I think it's probably exaggerated. I am quite open about my emotions all the time, which my friends probably dislike a lot. But I speak a lot of the time. But I don't think it is like very gendered. I think that is just the perception that goes round. Um, like, doesn't matter what gender you are, you can struggle with talking about your mental health, and you can struggle with mental health yourself. So. I don't think it is particularly gendered, but it's important to bring it up to boys because I think more so they have this like cultural, um, like this societal reaction surrounding it, which females don't necessarily have as much as men do. I also spoke with Ellen, a recent graduate who during her time at uni was heavily involved with Exeter Uni Boob Team, a society representing the breast cancer awareness charity Copperfield, and has previously ran joint events with Exeter Movember. I think we can probably all agree there's more work to be done with normalising conversations around men's mental health. I think, you know, it, I think the stereotype does hold up that, you know, we are used to hearing about, or women are more comfortable with talking about their mental health or any struggles they're having. Um, and I think, I think Movember does a really good job of, despite the fact it is obviously, you know, male in focus in terms of target, I think it ha does a really good job of having a very broad base so for so from a female perspective, despite the fact that it is to all intents and purposes a men's charity, it's one that does still feel quite um inclusive, if that makes sense. It does still feel like something that, you know, I have a part to play in, even if you know the cause obviously isn't one that directly targets me, if that makes sense. You know, just from your experiences, are there do you, do you think it is tough for guys who perhaps don't don't typically form a part of these, you know, that cultural norm at uni? Um, do you do you think they feel pressured to, to 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 live up to other people's expectations around like alcohol and relationships, etc.? I think uh, undoubtedly yes, and I think even for those for whom that does still tick quite a lot of boxes, I think even then it can still be really challenging. I think even for those who do find their way into that in group through you know whichever sport or whatever, which again let you know let's be honest often but not always if you've been able to play that sport to a high level you've probably come from you know a degree of socioeconomic privilege because a lot of these sports are quite you know quite expensive to undertake so it's kind of already doing a bit of self-selection even before you get to that point but even if you do make it into these clubs and even into like you know the higher teams or whichever which you know tend to be more tightly bound because you know you're playing to that more demanding standard even then <laughs> it can still be I think really really cliquey because a lot of them did you know did go to school together some of them may have gone to similar schools but not quite the same school you know or some of them you know do live in the same houses and some of them don't and I think there are these sort of concentric circles you know of like a really hard inner core and then some that are like 
closer, but a bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And I think it can be quite difficult for people, for for guys that are right at the centre of these to realise quite how inaccessible it can be for others. Um, I think, like I say, particularly for men, as you say, I think the expectations around drinking and how they interact with generally women, because it is quite a heteronormative vibe that is set, you know, and how they interact with with women and girls, I think there are, yeah, definitely certain criteria and norms that are set without people really realising it. And I think there can be a conscious or subconscious pressure um, for guys to um, to conform to that. Um, and yeah, I think it can be quite unforgiving for those who don't necessarily. And, you know, not just unforgiving for, for men you know, themselves, but also you know, it can have other implications, especially for, you know, in terms of relationships and, and for, for women as well. Yeah, I can't stress this enough. Um, and I know this isn't really the focus of the podcast, but, you know, I think in, I think in the same way as, I think that, right, there are elements of the male experience that women will never truly be able to understand. You know, you can sympathise with but can't empathise with. And vice versa, there are elements of the female experience that men can never truly, truly wrap their heads around. So the best thing we can do is just listen to each other on both these counts. But I think that, and it all feeds into each other. So these pressures on men, you know, created by these environments that we've just talked about, like the pressures on drinking and socialising and whichever results in the kind of things like the omnipresence of sexual assault say on nights out which often have resulted from the pressures put on men by other men and to an extent from women as well and ultimately no one wins here no one wins (laughs) so you know I, I think this is kind of what I mean where I talk about when I say that you know as much as we talk about men's mental health it is an issue that is for everyone you know, and does have implications across all genders and all spheres, um, because it ultimately these notions of toxic masculinity and whatnot have ill effects for everyone involved. Nobody wins. <laughs> but what what more do we need to do? I guess collectively to, mm. to sort of combat some of the issues around you know mental health in young men. Sure. Yeah. And just, yeah, to like to reiterate, I think it's great that Movember and similar campaigns have done such a good job of, like you say, bringing the conversation to the fore. But as you say, I think we then now need to ask ourselves, okay, now what? And I really think that we need to collectively evolve the conversation beyond a very simple, it's okay not to be okay checking on your mates, which is really important, but it's really foundational in my opinion. And I think we need to try and evolve it to focus on the uh, receptive side and being prepared to listen because I think this is perhaps where there's more work to be done is you know it's all well and good setting someone up to be ready to talk but if we're not ready to listen then there's not a lot we can do you see after like this month you do see it kind of gradually fade away until the next year and I think that there definitely needs to be more support programs throughout the year where you kind of go like, well, it's not just this, it's not just this flat line and then this spike at November where we talk about it and then it goes away. Um, I think there needs to be kind of that progression and that help um, throughout the throughout like the year. So people know that if they do need to go to anyone, they can. And it doesn't just become this kind of like yearly ritual of acknowledging <laughs> mental health for a month and then letting it fade off into the distance.
However, organisations such as Band Together are looking to continue this conversation. Band Together is um, a student-run organisation that was set up by students at St Andrews and their focus is to destigmatize mental health and raise awareness for mental health issues and broadcast that across university students. Uh, it's a non-profit organisation that any donations or profit that they do get is um, given to two mental health charities. By We've set up a Facebook page and social media and our plan is to get that through university, promote that through stuff like Overheard, um, through this podcast and through other means. The idea is that people go to the social media page or this website, they read information, um, they read up on mental health issues, um, they read up on surveys that we've taken with university students, um, basically just raising the awareness of the issues that are out there and seeing the facts that we're presented with. Um, so yeah, it's just starting up that and coercing with the university to put in together resources basically just make that easier to access resources and well-being and then just again to the whole message of destigmatizing mental health organizations such as band together do a really good job at spreading the message on november but it's not just their responsibility it's everyone's responsibility to ensure that the conversation around mental health evolves. Because some of these conversations we have in this podcast are conversations that we should be having throughout the year and not just throughout the month of November. And that's it for this episode of Exploring with Exeter. And remember, in addition to the services that we flagged in this podcast, if you're a current student who needs support, you can access the university's wellbeing services by going to www.exeter.ac.uk forward slash wellbeing. Thank you for listening.